Welcome back, everybody. Happy September. We're recording this on September 1st. How was your August, Steve? Wait, which year? Like, I mean, what, what this, year is it? <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like just a fog. Like, it hasn't the last year or so just been a fog? Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, I, I don't really remember what I did in August. It, today's the 1st of September. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good sign. That means nothing terrible happened. Otherwise, those would stick out at you, right? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, or I'm blocking it out. It could be that, too. That, too. It totally could be all of that. Well, we're here. We're hanging out, and we brought back a guest that we had roughly 13 months ago, July of last year. His name's Graham Brown. He's with Sondra Immersive. It's an immersive theater company with a kind of a focus on dance. How are you, Graham? I'm doing pretty well. What was that? Like a good description, here. or do you have a better description than that? That's a great description. I um, my background is in dance. The work is a uh, is a kind of a merging of uh, dance or physical theater uh, with theater in terms of storytelling, and then with uh, audience experiences. So living within three dimensional environments and moving through. Multi-room spaces, things like that. Yeah, the last time uh, you were on, we talked about um, your previous productions. One that I saw, The Little Prince. Yeah, I was in The Little Prince, but that was Sackerson. Yeah, yeah, but we we discussed that Mm because you were involved, Mm -hmm. and then um, through uh, through yonder window, which was in the parking lot, parking garage of the Gateway. Right. Tell us a little about how that you know full experience was and. The, we, we're kind of at the start of it, through the under window. Yeah. But I want to add on that because, like, yeah, yeah. I thought it was genius. Okay, oh, so, thanks. like, at the t- putting us back in that time, like, everything had gone to hell. Like, all of your plans, yeah. like, you had other productions that you were going to do. All of a sudden, nobody could go anywhere. Like, right. we were told to stay home. We were told to stay, like, out of, like, like being gathered against, against right. everything. What even, like, made you come to the conclusion of, well, we still want to do it. Where do we go from here? Yeah, well, the process, uh, yeah, we we had a show that was about to open, and it was very tragic to have have that halted. And we just went back to kind of the drawing board and said, well, what do we do? Do we maybe repurpose one of our other shows in some way? Do we somehow make this show? It was The Chocolatier, which I'm sure we'll talk about because it's opening soon yeah. again. But... Um, but we were like, do we try to make a film version? That seemed impossible. Do we, we just kind of went on and on. And ultimately, I, I just felt so strongly that like, I get all of the precautions that we are living under. Also, I just feel like live theater is the thing that, that I'm passionate about. And so like, fine. What are the parameters? What are the, so, what are the health codes that we exist under? Let's figure out how to make art live art in that way. And so that was where my creative partner was saying, um, uh, well, drive-in movies are working out right now. And so that's where we said, aha, okay, cool, let's do that. Let's keep people in their cars and let's figure out what that's going to look like. So that's what was Through Yonder Window. I just thought it was genius. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'm pretty proud of it. <laughs> but and I think you nailed something too, that like, okay, during all that time, people still needed theater. Yeah. Like we were lacking that. Yeah. Yeah, and it just felt like it feels so. It feels like just so important. Um, 
to continue to connect, to continue to be within creative spaces, to continue to tell stories and um, whatever the parameters are that we exist in, that's part of being human, you know, connection and storytelling and um, that, uh, yeah, it just feels important. And because of the work that we do where it's already out of the box in the first place, it's kind of like, cool, give us any parameters, we'll figure out how to make live theater with those parameters, you know? Do you think that process taught you something that you didn't expect? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, so we did, we ended up doing three shows within the COVID kind of, which we're, I, we're not past it now, but specifically within that. Um, and with all three of them, there was an agility, I think, that we learned. With, with Through Yonder Window, we put it together in two weeks, of two weeks of rehearsal. Um, and there's also just an immense adaptability, like just throw problems at us left and right. We will f turn the corner and we will figure it out. And that kind of kept happening. And often the problems that come our way uh, give us, we end up finding even stronger solutions than before. So that was another um, uh, exciting solution. And I feel like it, it felt like a pressure cooker. Like as we're getting ready for this coming show, it's every bit as stressful, it's every bit as everything, but I find that myself, I'm able to sit within a calm amid the hurricane and just like, we survived all these other things, we will survive this one, <laughs> you know? It'll be fine, <laughs> so. I think that's a pretty valuable lesson. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I think I sleep better at night now <laughs> than before. Um, yeah, give me a problem, we can deal with it, whatever it is. <laughs> Did the I'm assuming the whole team had the same thought as you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's and and every show has new people usually, and so um, there's also a little bit of. Not everyone necessarily feels that, you know. And I'll be able to say, just trust me, we've done this before. It works out. It doesn't look like it's going to. I don't even know how it's going to. I just know that it always does. So, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. We'll, you know. And you said you ran three shows during that kind yeah. of period. What, what were the other ones? Yeah, so Three Yonder Window was the first one, which is in the parking garage. And so our COVID solution was keeping people in their car, which is obviously safe. Um, the second one was called uh, The Carousel, and it was at the Dreamscapes exhibit um, downtown. And with that one, it was very, 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 it was only four audience at a time that would move through the exhibit room by room by room. And it was very controlled, whereas usually our work, the audience has freedom to move about and explore. With this one, we had num they got a number at the top between one through four, and there's numbered squares on the ground, and whenever they go to a room, they have to stand on that square, and those squares are all socially distanced from each other. <laughs> and every single scene had only a solo performer, and so you went from, from one solo to next to next to next. So was, there was never more than, you know, uh, uh, I guess five people in a room at a time, they were all like designed to be socially distant and you didn't stay in any one room for longer than five minutes at a time. So. Yeah, I, I forgot that I'd went until you kind of started explaining. Oh, it. Oh, okay, it, cool. it was really cool. Oh, cool. I, you know, I love dreamscapes anyway. They do an yeah. amazing job. I need to go back there with them in the new place. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was just really cool having like a, a new character in each room. Right, was made, right. And that was, as far as rehearsal was concerned, that also was, it, it, rehearsal was just me and one person, or 
just that was all the rehearsals. And so putting the whole show together was just making sure that we could coordinate the sort of passing of the audiences. So so rehearsals were very very COVID safe. Uh, what kind of audience you, feedback did you have? Be, uh, on people that one? people really liked it. People were really appreciative. Um, I mean, it's fun. We pretty much always get feedback along the lines of I've never. I've never seen anything like that before. I've never experienced anything like that before. Um, there was a lot of, um, and I'm really grateful to say that there was a lot of good feedback of, I felt very, very safe, you know, because actually that show opened, I want to say the day after the governor sent out that, you know, he finally did the actual mask mandate, but also was like, don't even go to Thanksgiving dinner, that whole thing. Yeah. And so we came really close to delaying once again, and it just felt like, it's too, we, we have, even within everything the governor's staying, saying, it's still, you know, safe. Um, yeah. We didn't have an enormous, we didn't sell out. I mean, it was the smallest one for sure. Yeah. You know, I think it was at the, I think that time was even more COVID anxious than even when we were doing Through Yonder Window. Um, yeah, I think I, I went by myself. I didn't have a plus one with me. So, like, like the person, a person from the next show mm -hmm. came with me, so it was kind of like even that kind of shuffling. I'm not sure where I'm going with this point, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it it was cool. It being limited, and it and you got to share, you know, the experience with that that small group of people. You know, we had masks on, so we didn't see each other's Yes, and the performers faces, had masks but, on, too, yeah. But, like, the eyes, you could see people going, hmm, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it was, um, I mean, it was interesting. Both of those two shows, the performers were masked. Uh, Actually, that's an interesting... did that make, yeah, did that make it hard? Because I it's mean, hard to show facial expressions. Yeah, it's hard. Except that it was the, going in, that was the premise. And so we created it that way. So we relied more on the body language or on this or that, you know. Um, yeah, it's again, it was like that was the parameter. And so we did it with that parameter. Did that teach you that how valuable facial expressions are? Yeah, well, I think I, I, I think, yeah, I think we're all kind of learning that. I mean, it's interesting how when you, when we were in the thick of everybody, everybody wearing masks all the time, all of a sudden seeing someone's whole face felt a little like scandalous. Like it was a little bit exciting, you know, that, that person's being naughty. Yeah. Look. I just think everybody thinks I'm pissed. So like, so I don't show like sarcasm. Uh -huh. yeah, I don't show hard. like yeah. any of that. Yeah. Well, especially for us where the work is physical theater. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a lot that your posture, your hand gestures, the direction of your um, uh, uh, focus or lack thereof, like they all say a lot of things. And so um, those become, I think that we are at, a, at, we are at a certain advantage in continuing to do the work that we do, even if half of the face is covered. It's still not, you know, ideal, but um, if it's just a straight play where it's two people really just intently talking to each other, that's going to be a tougher one than where we have so much physicality. A lot, a lot of physicality yeah. through yonder window, like everybody's dancing and right. very, very expressive with right. like the movements. And then um, the other, well, the, the third one? one was on the tail end, just when the vaccine vaccine started to become available, which was initially we called it um, the Lost Generation. It's part of a we have a very large show called the Lost Generation. This is a little segment of it, 
and it's adapted as an immersive dinner theater experience with City Bird Restaurant. And um, when we initially created it, it was done so as a private event exclusively. So you, you can't buy individually t individual tickets, you gotta buy the whole event and take 15 of your friends or whatever. Um, and it's, it's around the, the, the rocky life and marriage and writing of Ernest Hemingway. And um, throughout the evening, we see Hemingway and his third wife, Martha Gellhorn, and then the old man and the sea, or the old man and the, the marlin come into this, and it becomes a big metaphor for all of the rocky things going on. And, um, and this is all happening in and around your dinner experience, and the courses correlate with the story as it's happening. Um, it's a really, really cool collaboration. And that one, uh, as the vaccination, as the vaccine became available, we, we've opened it up. We've only done two that we've opened up as individually ticketed events. And we, are, we haven't announced it yet, but we will soon open up, um, hopefully, several more in October and November. As, as individually ticketed. And they have to be fully vaccinated or well, test positive, well, uh, negative recently? Or? The perform everybody involved with the okay. show is yeah. fully vaccinated. Um, the space is one of, it's a, it's a pretty small restaurant and one of the entire walls is all windows that are open the whole time. Um, and there are some tables that are more separated. Like with the, we just did a show a week or two ago and somebody the night before they said, you know, with, with, with Delta, we're not, we don't want to come anymore, basically. And I did explain, well, there are a couple separate tables, you know, you'll be plenty distanced and everything. And they did come and they were really happy about it. So, but it's a constant, it's a constant, yeah. it's a constant kind of navigation. We initially, when we created the show, we intended to do it in masks. Um, we haven't, and it's been, I think, a much stronger performance without them. Um, yeah, I, I just ask because, you know, I, I think Eccles just announced that, um, you know, you have to be vaccinated or have a recent negative oh, really? thing. And um, a, a few other, uh, is it hell? Some other venues are, are doing that. Oh, really? You have to have That's interesting. I'm, I'm really, I mean, figuring out the right thing to do has been very, very tricky. We, we have landed on not asking for proof because one it just feels cumbersome to figure out how you get proof yeah. two it excludes anyone under the age of 12 a and then three it there are certain people who have legitimate like reasons such as disabilities or whatnot that prevent them from getting a vaccine and so it's just not felt like the right answer so far but i'm very open for continual dialogue and figuring out what's the right thing to do um but yeah, the guarantee that we have is everyone involved is fully vaccinated. We we don't work with anyone that I isn't or isn't willing to. Um. Actually, that probably gives you good material for future plays. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> well, you know what's funny I is like, all like the politics one of everything. the I, one of the funny things that I think a reviewer said about Through Yonder Window was like. Oh geez, I don't want to go and hear more about a plague because we work this idea of this plague within the world of Verona, um, and so yeah, yeah, maybe, but also maybe we'd leave it be. <laughs> Give it time. Yeah, we'll Let see. Let it marinate yeah, a little yeah. more. Yeah, we'll see. Go for there. And then um, we talked about the chocolatier the last time you yeah. were here because you were trying to figure it out, but you're getting it going later this month. Yeah, so we ha we open on. Uh, September 17th, so pretty soon. What day of the week is that? Friday. Like Friday? Yeah. Not like a Wednesday for some reason. Yeah. And then we run through <laughs> October. We close on Halloween. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So what, what's 
the the synopsis of it? What's the, the yeah. story of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it, it's funny because this is our third iteration of it. Um, the first one was called Thank You Theobromine, and then the second one, we rebranded it as The Chocolatier, and that's the one that only opened for one weekend. It didn't even open. It was only um, an invite for, like, press and VIPs and stuff, and that then COVID hit, so we never opened to the public, and over a year has passed, and now we're doing it again. So a lot has changed since then, and maybe I'll even start there. So the initial premise was that it, was a, it still is a collaboration with The Chocolate Conspiracy, which is a local chocolate company. AJ is awesome. Um, yeah, AJ Wentworth. So we created the show in his shop, which was uh, on, on, on Third West, right around the corner from Fisher. He has since moved. That's now a coffee shop. Um, so we, the show was homeless for a while, and it, the work is very site-specific. We made it very specifically. Those who saw the show know, like, we're in and out of windows and up and down and up the stairs, and it's, you know, you can't just do it in some other random place. So that was really tricky. Um, uh, and our solution to that is that it's, we found a venue. It's at the Lila Yoga Studio and Event Center, Center which is in Sugar House. It used to be called Avenues Yoga because it used to be in the Avenues, but she just recently rebranded it. And her name is Chanda. Carry the two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what's great about this place is that it's... Uh, so, so Chanda, the owner of this yoga studio, is a... She's also a um, like a designer, like an interior designer and an architect, I think. And uh, so she's made this incredible, like there's a yoga studio, but then there's this little, you know, kind of secret, not that secret, but one of those barn doors that's big and looks kind of decorative. And then there's this whole kind of wonderland beyond that, these big, beautiful rooms that are really interesting. And, and so the show occupies the full um, venue. Um, but to more directly answer your question of what's this show about, it's, it's a story of a kind of a family of chocolatiers uh, who... Steve, do you know anything about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. Who kind of <laughs> drive each other there. a little bit crazy, yeah. And there's, you know, each of them, um, there's, there's five chocolatiers who um, all kind of carry, they don't even have, re they don't have names, they have sort of titles that represent certain kind of like, almost like a tarot. Like there's the hero who's kind of the Willy Wonka type of the face of the company. There's the rejector who just like is sick of all of it and wants out of it and is just jaded and tired of everything. There's the, the altruist who is the one who just like gives of themselves at the expense of their own well-being constantly. There's the, the Libra who is, um, in this kind of, this kind of, it's sort of a hippie parent. Do you like have like hidden character? cameras? Cause like, I mean, yeah, this sounds like our life. Okay, oh, great. So that's, <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. So nailed it. Yeah. Well, and the last one I'll just say is the divine. That's the fifth one who is like, it's, it's like Liza Minnelli's character from, um, uh, from, um, oh shoot. Um, uh, what's that musical? Uh, um, I'm lucky to Cabaret. know that I've heard <laughs> yeah. of Liza yeah. Minnelli. That's anyway, it. just a big diva, like wants to be famous, wants everyone to love them, is totally, um, just totally problematic. And um, and then, so those are the five chocolatiers. And then, um, uh, well, it gets complicated pretty quickly, but the hero and the Libra have a child together. So the child is in the show. And the hero and the divine are siblings and their father is also in it. So the, the child's grandfather so there's kind of there's three generations within the play and what's really cool this time is that the kid where did you learn or where did you research to come up with this yeah well um <laughs> like that is totally that 
the chocolate industry here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. Well, it's a... I'm trying to be, give a succinct answer because the show has evolved so much over, even since the last time we did it. Um, You're like, we've got better material. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> we did get some feedback that the show was kind of confusing before. And so we've kind of... The, the, the original premise was that it wasn't five people. It was five different versions of the same person. So this one chocolatier and all the different aspects of who they are. Um, and we've, as we've gone through the script and stuff, we've realized this is actually more of a, of a story about the dynamics between friendships and lovers and partners and children, you know, but the, the, the child and the, the grandparent, I don't remember what exactly brought them into it. Um, the origin of it was this chocolatier person who we initially were thinking we were going to do a Willy Wonka kind of redo and then we quickly let that go and it became this other thing but and then they became these five different people and then somewhere along the way we just I don't even remember why but it was just like yeah it'd be really nice if we saw the chocolatier's child and how they are navigating this life with this crazy chocolate parent and then oh I, oh actually I should say the grandparent character that came very much from AJ so we had interviewed AJ about his life and whatnot and he um he had this great kind of origin story of how his mom was kind of addicted to candy, like M&Ms and stuff. And he was kind of embarrassed by it or whatnot. And, and he, over the course of his life, became a food scientist and became fascinated with chocolate and cacao and the health benefits of cacao in its raw form. And he ended up making this chocolate that's, you know, literally healthy, which I could talk about a little bit if you want. Um, and... The irony is that his mom doesn't really like his chocolate. <laughs> She's like really supportive and whatnot, um, but she'd prefer her M&Ms. And so some of those stories kind of stayed in there and using that as a, I don't know that this is AJ's story specifically, but it was too good to pass up this whole idea of like trying to win your parents' affection, not quite getting it, the parent actually giving the affection, you not being able to hear it. Like each of the chocolatiers kind of has a different response to these different um, goals in life and whether they're trying to be whether they're trying to make the most beautiful chocolate in the world, whether they're trying to become famous and be the most acclaimed chocolatier, whether they're just trying to keep their family and work dynamic in check, um, they kind of all navigate through these spheres in different ways. Do you think that having all those roles is really what makes a company successful or does it make a company explode? Like, ha like having all those different um, personalities or traits, yeah. is that a asset or is it like a negative? I think yes to both. I think that I think that uh, these are the things that are the conundrums of humanity. Not unlike this issue of COVID and needing to connect, but it not being safe to and figuring out how to do it. I think all of these things are these vital kind of impossibilities that we have to figure out answers to so like yeah you have to be so like the hero is kind of the classic um impossible artist who's just so focused on their chocolate in this case but it could be anything that they're not paying attention to their kid as much as they can, could be they're not cultivating relationships they're i mean the hero and the libra are in, are in the thick of a divorce at the beginning of the show um, okay, seriously? Like, yeah, I mean, okay, there's a lot of, like, resemblance of this. So you're saying none of this is based on us. No. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> That's really good. As I said that, I realized, oh, this is, this is even better, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So I would have to, like, come see how we turn out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think, like, I mean... 
it does become kind of a tarot and within the cast and whatnot, we kind of know, oh, like, oh, this, like, like I myself, I'm a kind of a classic hero personality. And so I, the work that I do in my real life is not letting my art consume everything and trying to have a balance because if I don't work really hard for that, oh, I'll just, I'll forget to eat. I'll forget to take care of my kids, everything. You know what I mean? Whereas somebody else, they have to really advocate for themselves. They're more of an altruist personality, where they'll just say yes to everybody even though they're going to have a total breakdown. And their lesson is to learn to advocate for themselves, et cetera. You know? I mean, that's kind of deep for a chocolatier. I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think that one thing that has been really fascinating, fascinating in working with AJ and just diving into this world of chocolate, which can be really a placeholder for kind of anything that one's passionate about, is all of the depth of humanity is there within chocolate, within, I don't know, within running a podcast, within... um, uh, being a carpenter, like being a, a choreographer, like um, whether, you know, all of the things of life. I think, I think one of the things about chocolate particularly that I really relate to is the potential to see it as trivial. Like why would you focus your whole life on something so silly as chocolate? And there's a very much like, why would you focus your whole life on dance? I have a master's degree in dance. That's not a very responsible choice. And what's your conclusion? That is key to, that is like a key evidence of humanness. We cannot all be uh, whatever, doctors. We cannot all be, like all of the things that we do are key, you know? Um, it's just a matter of how we balance it within all the other aspects of our humanity. And so, so yeah, I mean, I feel like, like within, within, well, like my ex-wife, she often would be very, she's a dancer as well, and she often would kind of that night be lamenting, like, why am I doing this dance thing? I'm like, there's people starving in Somalia, whatever, you know, and, and, and I completely hear that, but I myself did never feel that conflict. I see the key value of what I'm doing. It still is problematic and really hard to kind of pay the bills or, or whatever, you know, but... Um, how do you define success? How do I define it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I, th- I think... Sometimes that, as long as you're still eating and living somewhere, sometimes yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, perhaps, enough, but, a definition yeah. Of, perhaps a definition of success is being at peace. Um, which is maybe getting into some of my own sort of personal um because for a lot of time i really kind of wanted to be famous you know like in my 20s or whatever and then and then there became a time where i just really wanted to be financially successful with this work and even now i've i i I should say and now i've almost come to this point of like i I don't know i almost feel like i can't control whether it's going to be financially successful or not um i have to figure out some way to literally eat to literally feed my children and pay the bills but beyond that I think if I can make I know I'm going to continue to make this work because I've realized that there's no way I'm gonna I have to like it's deep in me if I can be able to sleep at night and be at peace and be okay with the work that happens and for the work to if it sells out like crazy that's terrific and if it doesn't if I can still sleep at night I think that's a pretty good success (laughs) I wouldn't have given that answer like a year or two ago. I think COVID has been really therapeutic. <laughs> it's weird how it did that. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it's driving me a little crazy, though, because during COVID, you know, I had to be secluded. Yeah. But now that I work from home, finding that balance is tough. It's like, I can go out and do things, but, you know, it, it's just weird. Um, it, what's crazy about going back to the show, the Chocolatier? Yeah. I mean, nailed it. Like, as far as, like, I mean, I can identify with all of those characters that you're talking right. about. Right, And within a company based on chocolate and, you know, doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely excited to come watch. Good, yeah. And I want to go with you, Steve, just to see how you react to everything. <laughs> then I'll be like, holy crap, that <laughs> well, guy is totally screwed. One like, of the, he is yeah. totally, one of the, one of the here's, here's, Wait, here's a different message. do you have a little person in this also? No, like, that will totally be the... The rejector character is pretty short. <laughs> totally me. Totally, yeah. Um, I was going to say the one, one aspect, one, one, um... One little thing that felt very successful was there are a couple scenes where AJ, it was kind of too much for him. Or he was like in tears because it was so close to home in terms of relation. I think it was, there's this argument between um, the, the hero and the rejector where one is, it's kind of like what I was mentioning earlier with my ex-wife. Like one is going like, why are we doing this chocolate? It's so ridiculous, you know, and he's like, I'm choosing this. I love this. Um, of all the scenes, that when AJ was like crying, he's like, I get it. It's such a conundrum. <laughs> How do you make ethical chocolate? Whatever, you know. Um, so the In things your like play, that. Am I going to learn the answer to that? Like as far as like, you know, the one person saying this, the other person saying that. Is there some kind of a combination where they both have to survive together? Because both of those roles are important. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, nobody's right or wrong, you know? I mean, I think there's very few. Um, it's just different people coming from different places that have had different things happen to them that draw different conclusions, and they're doing the best that they can. And this person who looks like a villain, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe they couldn't somehow, they they somehow love never got into their heart from their parents and they thought they, I don't know, whatever, or like, or people have different traumas or da 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 there's so many different things. I think, um, and, and maybe this is a good sort of segue to the, the concept, the company is called Sonder because it's, it's this cool word that means that moment of realization when you, that moment when you realize that everyone around you has a life as intricate and complicated as your own. And I think that is a key element to this work, that it's not, there's no just like, there's Darth Vader and he's just the bad guy. And then there's, you know, Luke Skywalker and he's the good guy. Like, I don't know, what's Darth Vader doing on his spare time? Like, it, well, I guess that's what episode one, two, three. He's, he's volunteering on his spare time. He's, yeah. you know, he's soaking tu- in his tank. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. tutoring kids. Maybe that was <laughs> a bad example. How to read. But anyway, I just think there's some things that I feel really passionate about this representation of everyone's got a different perspective and they are all important and right and wrong is real gray. Dude, you're, are your kids <laughs> like amazing? Cause like if this is the <laughs> philosophy that they're learning, uh-huh. they uh, must be doing pretty good. I, I don't know. They, I, I, I don't even know how to answer. Here, here's my answer to that. I heard, uh, um, I heard Barack Obama on a podcast and they said something like, oh, your kids must think you're so cool. And Barack Obama was like, 
Nah, they, and when I heard that, I thought, okay, if Barack Obama's kids are not impressed, then I'm not worried about <laughs> needing it. My, my kids will appreciate me to whatever extent they do. <laughs> I guess that's, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And with kids, they're either too honest or they're so distant that you don't know what's going on with them. It, yeah, it, I would say those are, those are my two teenagers. Like my son, <laughs> uh, he's great. Uh, he, uh, he, like after every show, like, you know, what'd you think? He's like, uh, the story was kind of confusing or whatever. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> my phone battery died mid- midway through. So yeah, I, they're I like the second so hard to bit. impress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With my son, we have to like ask him about school like right as he gets out of school because uh-huh. we wait hours later, you know, ask him at the dinner table or anything. He'll go good. So it's like yeah, you gotta. But what I've loved is sort of being patient enough to let them come to me. Yeah, and it sometimes you gotta be real patient. <laughs> but do you do the same thing with instructing or directing a play? Do you have oh. do you have the cast come to you or are they like do they all learn differently or Ooh, that's a great or has that evolved over the years? Yeah, that has evolved too. I'd say I'd say that I have come to develop a a little bit of a softer listening to who they are. Um, I think a lot of times there's a there's a certain anxiousness of wanting to kind of give me the right thing, and I've slowly been able to develop enough confidence and, and lang- clarity of language to just be like, yeah, I have a vision, but like you're part of that vision. Like I want to know what ideas you have. You know what I mean? Like I don't have the monopoly on good ideas, you know? So there are certain things that I might have like, yes, clearly I want this or that, but most things it's Was that like, an aha moment for you to come to that? I think, no, I think it was a slow evolution. That was because, um, I've, for example, well, part of the work is that if you're working, for example, with like dancers and you're strictly within a dance criteria, you have a certain expectation and you're going to come up with material that's hard and they're going to need to assimilate that and do it the way you do it, you know. But right away, this work is this combination of actors and dancers. And so right away, me expecting people to learn something like they would if I was teaching a technique class is just, it's problematic and it's not time efficient and it doesn't produce as good of a uh, outcome so if i'm able to create a space where they can have their own ideas and come up with their own whether it be movement or spoken text or even responses to a space the work is better and it happens quicker and they they i think have more of an ownership to it because it's coming from them and so like when so it's really hard to recast things because it's pretty specific to that person that said, we, we can, but often by recasting, it also then organically changes. The only things that are real strict are something that's like a specific like lift with another person where it has to be the same way because that other person has to know what it is. Otherwise, there's lots and lots and lots of fluidity. And because spaces are always changing. I mean, yeah. like one of the scenes in Chocolatier is in a, well, it's, it's the storage closet, but... It doesn't look like that in the show. It's this secret room that most audience won't even see. It's behind this like secret wall. And just last week, Chanda totally reorganized that storage room. And we couldn't do any of the choreography. And yesterday, we re-choreographed it. And it's way better than before. 
just because we were able to, we had some practice navigating this awkward space. And like, then, can you just like not move anything for right, a month? And that's what's like, hard. Uh, that's, that's another thing with, with AJ, we kind of had it. Like he did his chocolate thing, but then he shut the doors and at night and we did our thing. This is a living space. There's yoga classes. There's, there's yoga teacher training things is constant. There's events that happen there. So we have had to be real agile, which had it not been for this COVID series of experiences, I, don't, I think I would have just gone crazy. And instead when things change, I'm like, oh cool, here's a new opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I think, actually I think that's huge though for life, is yeah. learning that. Yes, like the only constant is change, yeah. Yeah, I still need to learn that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just taking this all in. It's, it's, <laughs> What's it's the best advice you've been given? This? Oh. Ever. The Come best on. advice <laughs> I've been given? Yeah. On your plays or ever, all this? <laughs> uh, um, it's coming to me. Um, I, I, okay. I, this, I'm, I always quote this wrong, but it's really affected me a lot. And honestly, I don't know if I think I read this in a book or something, but it was, it's, and maybe this is like one of those, um, Buddhist kind of, um, stories or anyway, whatever it is, I'm, I'm totally butchering it. But the bottom line is that there's this idea of if you have some huge success and someone says to you, wow, you've really landed it. And the answer is, yeah, maybe. And then like everything falls apart and life is just crumbling and, and you're, broken it seems like oh this is the worst thing in the world to you and you go yeah maybe none of it you know maybe all of this success is the thing that's going to drive you into this narcissistic wild person who's going to end up committing suicide that happens all the time maybe this this enormous defeat creates the space for you to learn something about yourself that sets you up for this enormous like real joy and happiness and real success so like whatever happens it's all relative so yeah, actually like that yeah, it, 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 I think it was like Matthew McConaughey once said, um, you know, he he envisions his his hero or whatever. The person he wants to be is him like 10 years out or five years out. Mm -hmm. And then he'll keep that because then when he's at that place five years out, he wants to be five years more ahead because he's feeling like you should never get to that pinnacle like it should always be about like evolving and just right. like trying to improve right. or whatever yeah it can be really maddening and i think it can also be really empowering i yeah. think where you're in this kind of black and white or kind of goal-oriented life you want to get to your goal and then you're happy but i think you never I, this is a this is a don draper quote from madman <laughs> he said something like what's happiness it's just a moment before you need more happiness you know there's something about if you just don't have, I don't know. I don't. I want to. I don't want to say just wandering aimlessly, but I think if you're just in a space of availability for whatever's in front of you, I think you're much more set up to be happy with whatever is in front of you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I like that. And in general, in my life, I've been, I've found relationships and happiness when I'm not looking for it. Right. When I'm just trying to be, you know, a person, and you know doing the best I can, those things tend to happen. So yeah. it's. So I just need to live. Is that what you're yeah. telling me? Dylan? Yeah. just like live. Yep. All right. <laughs> I'll just keep, I'll keep showing up eating sugar, sugar cookies. You, that's you can my, hunt for it a little being. bit. You know, you can't, you can make things happen, but just don't be like, if this doesn't happen, it's going to be the end. Oh, I'm going to go home and cry every night. 
That's, that's what I'm going to do. That's part of it, too. That's beautiful. <laughs> Graham, how can people get tickets, or how do they, like, buy it? To yeah, get so uh, our website is sonderimmersive.com, S-O-N-D-E-R, immersive.com. And so there's a ticketing link right there. Is there going to be a set number of performances a night? Or how do you yeah, do that? there's. It's only forty audience per show, and um, m- m- well, the shows are mostly on Fridays and Sundays. There's two shows on Fridays and one on Sundays. Um, bonus points for coming. The shows on Friday are seven p.m. and ten p.m. I'm kind of crossing my fingers that people are going to come to a ten p.m. show. <laughs> that might be the one I make it. Yeah, yeah I'm I mean, a night it's, it's like kind of October, kind of Halloween. I'm hoping that people catch that. Um, I'll do a ten o'clock show. Yeah, cool, great. So at we least got two. If you, if you if you need some audience for a night, let, okay. <laughs> let Dylan and I know. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, the website sonderimmersive.com is where to get tickets. And can they find you on Facebook too? Yep. So and we're Instagram. Facebook, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Sonder Immersive SLC. And um, I'm I've been I've been I've been I've discovered the Instagram story. <laughs> I'm so clueless and on that stuff. I, yeah, I I've, it like twice a month. I've hated Today all of it, of but this is what has been redeeming about it. Is like I'm not so precious because it disappears after a day. So just whatever's happening in rehearsal, I just drop the videos or photos. Just like come to the show, da da da, and then it doesn't have to be so great because it goes away. You know. Um, well, now I like feel less important when people have put me in their story. <laughs> I, was, well, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Well, the, I made it. And then yeah. in their mind, they're just like, eh, well, you know, it's gone tomorrow, so I don't even have to care. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I'll use them for today. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We asked you the bonus questions last time, but okay, I, yeah. don't, I don't remember the answers, and they, they may have changed. Okay, sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was back in episode 97, if you want to listen back, listener. I don't even know what today is, Dylan. So September yeah. 1st. We September 1st. It's been a long podcast. So, you know, like there's a lot that's gone through since we started. (laughs) We did cover a lot. Yeah. So the first bonus question is, what does creativity mean to you? Right. Right. Yeah. I remember being stumped by that question last time. Um, Okay. I'm going to say that I think that creativity is seeing the beauty in uh, like a- everything or like seeing beauty where it's not asking you to see it, you know? Um, the, so I started doing this day job as doing carpentry, like home kind of repair type things. And like, oh man, the little, uh, bent up, uh, nails when they come out, those are like really beautiful or like different little things like that. I think there's something I'm going to at least right now say that is a definition of creativity is seeing the beauty in that which isn't asking you to see it. I never thought that way about the nails. I'm like, they look funky, but not... Oh, yeah. I'm like a total just (laughs) artist in carpenter pants. Like, wow, look at that. Wow, that's so great. You feel the same way if the nails are in your tires. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. But they're beautiful. They're bent. Yeah, fair enough. Actually, you know what, though? That that would be a beautiful... If you kept this nail and like you mounted on your wall like this was the thing that i was so upset about and now i've made it a decoration that's kind of a triumph i wish i'd thought of that actually that's pretty deep okay yeah. that was like good advice good like, job <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome the second one is who's your favorite muppet and why 
<laughs> well, I have to say that, so um, I can't remember, maybe that's Kermit the Frog, but um, one of the, so the performer who's playing the character, the altruist, is this total Muppet of an individual, just the way she kind of moves her body <laughs> around. And so I'm going to say Kermit the Frog, a.k.a. Severin, a.k.a. the altruist. <laughs> okay. That works. And in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Okay, so I've gotten, I, I, I don't know, but um, I think of um, Elijah Wood, um, and I think of Jude Law, and people sometimes, not so much now because my hair's longer, but people used to always tell me I looked like uh, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> yeah, cool, I'll take that. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think, I think last time you said Jude Law. Yeah, probably. But with, with the longer hair and the beard, it's a, I'm getting a Matthew McConaughey vibe. Oh, no, that's, that's the first Steve time I've ever gotten it. that. <laughs> the longer hair is a COVID thing. A year yeah. or so ago, I was just like, Psh, I don't know. I've had the same haircut my whole adult life. I'm just going <laughs> to stop cutting and see what happens. <laughs> we did a lot from COVID. Yeah. 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 It's changed us forever. All right. I'm excited to see how my life ends, so I can't wait to come <laughs> to your show. Okay, good. So I'm excited. <laughs> So September 17th at that yoga store, uh, yoga. Uh, yeah, L- Lila yoga yeah. or Lila events. I think it's called Lila Studio. And we're in. And Sugar it's in House. Sugar House. It's on 21st South, uh, kind of like, what about 10th East? I'm not gonna die, right? Like I don't die in the story. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I have a few more years. Uh, which one are you of the five? I'm not sure, but <laughs> wait, so one of them dies? <laughs> you have to come and see. <laughs> the torture. Dun, dun, dun. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This was great. I enjoyed it. Good, good seeing you again, and I'm excited for this new show. Yes, you too. Really glad to be here. Graham, thank you. Thank you. Even though you may kill me. <laughs> Guess we'll see how I go. Yeah, Steve may be back next time. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) The podcast is done, man.